Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. We're going to get back into our study, and literally, I think it almost feels more like we're stepping back into the end of last week's study. Uh, I think looking around the house, most of us are on the same page. We've been in discipleship for some time, including learning about Christ. Uh, we've been learning what looked like to be a disciple under Christ's public ministry. And before we move into what it looks like after he ascended back into heaven during the church age, of, again, it's what we call when Jesus ascended, it started the church age, and it goes till he comes back. Um, we, we have to look at the Holy Spirit. We have to look at what they were empowered by, what they were guided by, what they were equipped with uh, in the same way that we are as well and make sure that we understand that. So we've been in the Holy Spirit for a couple of weeks and now we've started this study that might be four, eight weeks, somewhere in that range um, on the, the spiritual gifts so that we know the empowerment as well. Because uh, when Jesus says, hey, go change the world, but don't do this without the Holy Spirit, then we'd be foolish to think that that's any different for us today. So last week, we started talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and um, we went through, well, we went through a list of what the, the gifts are, because that's usually the first question, but spent most of our time, like, what are spiritual gifts? Why do we have them? What's the motivation? What's the, the purpose? Uh, and how does that work properly as individuals and as a community? Uh, this week, uh, I wanted to look at what they're not. So it's kind of a continuation of last week. It's some of the conversations I had after church last week. Um, went back into, and, and it's expected, um, people sharing some stories of past hurt because spiritual gifts being abused uh, or seeing them used improperly or with the wrong motivation. And so now that we have on the table pretty good understanding what they are, it's also good to look at what they are not so that we avoid those situations ourselves. So usually as I open up and we go, hey, let's go to the Bible, read a little, talk a little. Uh, we're actually just going to kind of step into the middle of things. So if you did not see last week's study, I invite you to make sure that you go back and watch that. Uh, and again, I've asked at the beginning of this study to, if you're going to miss because you're on vacation or you're not feeling well, whatever the case may be, please, please go back and pick up the teaching uh, because all of this comes together for a particular point that I think God is leading us through um, in the answer of many, many prayers over the last couple of years. So with that, I'm not going to have, uh, tell you to open your Bible unless you want to be ahead of the game. If you want to go turn to 1 Corinthians 12, you're more than welcome to turn to 1 Corinthians 12. That's where we'll end back up. Uh, that's where a lot of our scripture from last week is from, and we're going to pick up some more from that. But it's probably going to be, uh, okay, I'm not going to joke about how long I preach. Uh, it's probably going to be about 40 minutes from now we'll get into 1 Corinthians 12. So... And no one looks shocked at that because you know I preach that long anyways. So. <laughs> at least I was being honest with you and serious with you. So we're really going to start in mostly with notes. Uh, so if you're a good note taker like Heather is in the front row, she, I, I was talking about you this week. Hello. Yes, I was. Uh, I think um, because I was saying what an encouragement you are. Because like as I look at all these people like sleeping back through here... <laughs> Like, you're in the front row, you have notes. I said, I, she could be like, Tom's an idiot, and it doesn't matter because it's so encouraging. So be like Heather. Think I'm an idiot. Uh, again, I, for the second week, I did put in uh, pastoral notes into the bulletin so you can take notes or you can use your version up and running. But we're going to go just straight into bullet points and just kind of let them lead us today. 
Uh, and again, we rely a lot on the scripture as well as uh, I've been using this resource here, Your Gifts by uh, Larry Gilbert. And I always like to give credit when I'm using something a little bit more than just casual study. So with that, and the help of Lisa, first thing that you need to know, spiritual gifts are not a reward. Spiritual gifts are not a reward. They are a gift. It is not something you achieve. It's not something you earn. It's not a place that you get to. Once again, as we talked about last week, gifts are something that the, we get, whatever gifts he decides to give us or not give us, uh, when we accept Jesus as leader of forgiven our lives. The part of the God that we know and call the Holy Spirit resides within us, and with that, the Bible guarantees that we are going to have um, one, two, three gifts, whatever he decides to gift you with, which again are capacities, supernatural capacities to be able to grow within. Uh, it's not something that you own. Um, if you bought someone, uh, well, no, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Scoville. Scoville was kind enough to give me three little Star Wars books last week and a set of Muppet Star Wars. Yes. So, and that was a gift. She was very nice, and you guys need to step up. The, uh, but if she came, huh, yeah, that's right. We're in it for everybody. Judging you on the curve. Uh, but if she came to me and said, hey, you can have these things if you clean my house for three weeks, it's no longer, one, I'm not doing that, two, it's no longer a gift. It's a reward. It's something that we do. God doesn't work that way. Uh, it's something that we discover and that we move forward with into. Uh, if you want to write down, I don't think I put it. Oh, did I put First Corinthians one seven? Yeah. What's that? No, no yeah. No, you're good. Okay, thank you, sir. Uh, but I want to make sure I have the scripture in there um, from the beginning of Corinthians. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Do we believe the scripture? Yes. So you do not lack any spiritual gift that he wants you to have to do what he calls you to do. So it's not a reward, it's a gift. Um, and, when, and I know some people get confused, and we're going to go into this voice a little bit more later. We read it last week of earnestly desire the, the, the greater gifts. A lot of people take that out of context and turn it into something goofy. Uh, and so it becomes, well, God didn't give me the interpretation of tongues, and I don't want to be speaking in tongues, so that's a lesser gift. So God help me to be uh, interpretate. You can, you can ask for gifts, and that's up to him what he does with it, uh, but he's gifted you what he knows you needed. Uh, so, so seeking's fine, and, and I, again, we're going to go into the context of that, but it's not a reward. It's not like if I'm holy enough, then he'll give me this thing that I'm longing for. You might not need that thing. It'd be such a waste. Okay, next one. Built your gifts are not a natural talent. They're not a natural talent. Um, Natural talents, and here's the difference between talents and, and supernatural gifts. Talents are available at, uh, many talents are available at both. Uh, the, the gifts of the Spirit are not, they're at spiritual both only. Uh, talents, uh, people that uh, are not saved have talents. Uh, the spiritual gifts, they do not. Um, talents operate on a natural level. The spiritual gifts are inviting you into the supernatural level of things. There's differences within it. Um, and if we choose to think of a talent as a spiritual gift, it can put us into some pretty messed up places, especially if it affects our motivation. Um, I know, I, I won't give a ton of details because I want everybody to try and figure out what's what, uh, but there was a ministry in town that did great help to a lot of people. Great help to a lot of people. And the person that ran it, ran it well. 
It's not because they had the spiritual gift of administration. It's not because they had the spiritual gift of hospitality and service. It is because they were addicted to people being in gratitude to them. It's two different things. And one would get you so far and one would, get, would take and be supernatural. Uh, in this case, three or four years into it, sure enough, everything falls apart, falls into great sin. Other people step in that do have the, the, the supernatural gifts in those areas, picked it up and continued the ministry going. But um, it's very different when you want in on the natural and the spiritual. So you want to make sure you don't confuse those things. It's great to have natural talent, um, but it's not the same thing as a spiritual gift. Next one. I told you we're going to straighten the bullet points, man. We're running through them. It's not a position of service. And when I say it's not a posi position of service, I mean that there are those within uh, the church community that will say something like, well, this assessment tells me I have the gift of teaching, but I'm no pastor. I can't be like Tom. Well, good thing you can't be like me. You're not supposed to be like me. You're supposed to be you. And the gift of teaching does not automatically mean you have to be a pastor. Um, if you have the gift of evangelism, does not mean you immediately sell everything, buy a big tent and start going town to town, taking and preaching the gospel message of Jesus. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But it's not a matter of what our position is. Your gifts will lead you into the ministry that God's calling you to, but it could look very, very different than mine or Jenny's or Jenny Haug's or anybody's. It, it, our ministries look very different from each other, even though we might have the same spiritual gift. So um, a lot of people, I've seen them pull back from the spiritual gifts because they thought of where they would end up, and it's not where God wanted them at all. So some more things to consider there. Next one. Spiritual gift is not age-specific ministries. There is no spiritual gift of working with kids. There is no spiritual gift of working with youth and teenagers. There's no spiritual gift of working with seniors. Not that we have any seniors here. Uh, <laughs> that laugh was a little loud in the back there, Jenny. The, uh, but at least, you're, at least you're allowed to go 48 plus, so you're allowed to make fun of ourselves. So... Uh, so if, say there's an opportunity for you to work with the kids' ministry, and you say, well, I don't have the spiritual gift for that. No one does. Um, however, the spiritual gift is part of what we're made up to be. So with the next slide, I'll show you this. And this is, we've talked about this before. It's called Shape. Uh, I'm not the biggest Rick Warren fan. I'm not the biggest Rick Warren hater. Uh, but I do want to acknowledge that that is his, I don't know, what do you call those things, Ginger? Is that an anagram? That's not. Acronym? Okay. That's his acronym. Thank you, Ginger. The, uh, <laughs> you speak loud for not opening your voice. Uh, but the, the concept is, is we are all made uniquely and that you have nobody that's exactly like you in this world and there's never been anybody like you in this world and never will be anyone like you in this world uh, because of your spiritual gifting, even though a billion other people might have the same spiritual gift, they have a different heart. Okay, so all these things come together. So between your spiritual gifts, between what you're passionate about in this world, naturally passionate about, uh, your abilities, the, the things that, whether that be a natural talent or a talent that you have achieved, uh, playing guitar is a, an ability that you, you learn to achieve, uh, personality, how you see things, uh, whether you've got a sick, dry sense of humor or just laugh at people who do, uh, and experiences, whatever you've been through. All the, back to your testimonies. Everything you, you've been through from the good to the bad are your experiences, and God can use all that good and crap for his glory as time goes on. Those five things together make you unique like nobody else ever was. 
Why? Because you have a unique vision that he's called you to. He has a calling for you that he's created you for. So when it comes to working in the kid's barn, whether or not you have a spiritual gift of teaching or empathy or whatever the case would be within that, the question becomes, do I have a passion? Do I have a God-given passion of working with, with kids? Um, and again, sometimes he calls us outside of that comfort zone. What are we laughing at now? What do you do, Scoville? No. Did all the teachers just look at each other at the same time? Okay. <laughs> but, but you might have a passion, again, for, for people in the 48-plus club. And that might be some, some places to go with the same spiritual gift. So just a, a little bit of confusion there because I've seen people guilt themselves into roles of service that they were not made for uh, because of the spiritual gift. So they're not specific ministries. Okay, now we're going to start getting into ones that are a little bit bigger. Uh, skip that one. Yeah, that one. That's the one I want. A spiritual gift is not without compassion is motivation. And this one I'm going to have to unpack a little bit. I, I believe that that's a correct statement for any Christian in any area of our life that we have to have Christ's compassion as our motivation, but how you handle your spiritual gifts must be motivated by Christ's compassion. Uh, let me put it in a relational aspect. Uh, let's say that you have someone in your life, a friend of yours, that either struggles with uh, anxiety, depression, maybe PTSD. They have insecurities in their lives. Maybe they're just treated badly or have gone through horrific experiences. When you have people in your life like that, they're going to need reassurance. They're going to need, to, uh, when they are in a low place, to be helped lifted up. If Christ's compassion is there, then you're going to be like, here I am to lift you up. I love you. I, if, what can I do? Can I listen? Can I hear? You know, whatever the case may be. Um, that's going to be the motivation to be able to let God work through that situation. If you don't have Christ's compassion, and maybe it's just me, but when I'm not feeling very compassionate in the moment, my thoughts go to, oh, my gosh, here they go again. Man, they would not shut up. I'm going to wait for a pause and then change the topic. You've been there? I don't think I'm the only one that's been there. Or, or they're talking and you have no clue what they just said for the last five minutes because you're just trying to survive the moment. That's because I put myself in the place of the Holy Spirit in that situation and compassion did not lead me into being the person that he wanted me to be in that moment. Does that make sense? Uh, if you have somebody in your life that... Uh, Someone they love just passed away or somebody just walked out of them. Um, and the, and the, the marriage or a uh, child has walked away from them. They didn't get the promotion at the work. They, didn't, they got fired from work. They got laid off, whatever the case may be. Going through struggles of that nature and they're coming and they're unloading that, compassion leads to listening. Compassion leads to being there. Compassion is how can I help um, versus, dear Lord, it seems like they're just always train wrecking. Those are two very, very different things. I, I was listening to uh, the radio this is a few weeks back now, but uh, how, anybody heard of Jason Gray, the singer? No? no? Uh, yeah, okay, so a few of you guys have. Good. Uh, you listen to good music. Uh, but he has a radio program on Sirius XM, and he was talking about a situation in his own life. Him and his wife, uh, about four years ago, went through a very nasty, horrible divorce, very painful divorce. And he shared about uh, things as he went through and he got help and different things. But the, the part that hurt him the most was how his son took it. His son was, was maybe about 13, 14 years old, uh, was completely devastated by it, would not speak about it, was angry all the time, um, the family counseling, wouldn't speak family counseling, um, and just was completely bottling all this up in him. And then one day as uh, 
Jason and his son are sitting in the car in a parking lot, his son is just boosted, and his son just start going off on him. I hate that you did this to me. I can't believe you, you, you left mom and, and started throwing out a bunch of allegations. And he said, some things were true, and I deserved it. Some things were not true at all. It was just his perception. And my biggest thing I wanted to do was say, no, wait a minute, hold on, that's not right. This, this, this is why I defend myself. And he goes, but I had been counseled, and I learned that the best thing I could do in that moment was to listen and then say, tell me more. Tell me more. Not trying to defend myself, not everything, but that's the Christ compassion. If we bring that kind of compassion to our spiritual gifts, it keeps us from using the spiritual gifts in ways that are not motivated by Christ. It keeps us from, from not putting ourselves in this place of the Holy Spirit in those moments. And we can be used to, to further the kingdom. So that, 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 that's a big one because we've seen people over and over again uh, misuse spiritual gifts because of their own motivation. Probably the best example is uh, Jonah. Right? You guys know Jonah in the well? Yeah, read it sometime. What's a spiritual gift? Anybody want to guess? Jonah, the prophet. Anybody want to guess what is? Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. You're very encouraging. <laughs> Scoville, get her a gift. The, <laughs> the uh, yeah, he's a prophet. And he loved, loved his gift. He loved giving prophecy to, to the, the people of God, the Jewish people. And God shows up and says, hey, I got a word. Great. Give it to me. Okay, here it is. Repent or they're all going to fall apart. Like, you know, what I was going on with the Zuchers over there. And then the, uh, and he says, great, what tribe am I supposed to go to? He goes, oh, that's not Jewish people, it's Gentile people. He says, I will not go talking to Gentile people. And that started his whole journey of going well watching. I mean, just the whole thing was, was because his attitude blew compared to what his spiritual gift was. And even when he finally did it, do you remember what happened then? They repented. What did he do? He went up on the hill and he pouted about it. That's what we can do with our spiritual gifts. We have to make sure it's Christ's compassion that's leading it, or else we put people in harm's way. Uh, this one's not as um, prevalent, but I do want to hit it. Spiritual gift is not the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is different. And um, I'm putting that one up there just mostly so that we're not acting in ignorance. Not usually when we confuse these two, does it hurt somebody? But it is still an abuse of, the, of spiritual gifts. Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, if you need to write down, Galatians 5 is where you find the list. Um, I was watching young Sheldon the other night, and he actually busted out the fruits of the Spirit. I was pretty proud of him. Uh, he was learning the Bible to trash somebody else in a trivia thing, but nonetheless. Uh, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. In other words, when I'm living by the Spirit, these are the attitudes come out of me naturally, or supernaturally, I should say. Uh, and spiritual gifts are not the same thing. Uh, I brought a chart out of this book, and I don't know if you guys will be able to see it too well uh, from where you're at, but I can put these online later. But it's just kind of a comparison of the difference between the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. For instance, uh, gifts of the Spirit, it's related primarily to the collective body, that we're working together on that, where fruit of the Spirit is more of an individual uh, aspect of things. Uh, it's the gifts are related to ministry. Fruit is related to your character. Uh, gifts may be classified as to the ordinance of their, their, their importance. Uh, fruit, all of them are essential. All, all of them are the same level. Uh, gifts of the Spirit may be exercised in such a manner as to offend others and uh, cause discord or division in the body, where fruit of the Spirit cannot be misused if you, if you, if you have the fruit of the Spirit. Um, 
gifts. No single believer receives all the gifts through the Spirit. Every believer may bear all the fruits. Gifts, no one, gift can be determined or demanded of, of all the believers, but through the Spirit, all of us uh, can be commanded to manifest the fruits of the Spirit. So there's all a difference between, between those two. Uh, but they also work hand in hand. If my, I don't have the fruit of the Spirit, then I'm not going to handle the gifts well. And that goes back to the passion end of things. That'd be good. Some people are still looking up there, so I want to make sure I don't jump ahead too fast. Anybody want me to keep going so you can have lunch? Anyone? Anyone? Praying for, I'm praying for you. Okay. Now let's talk about the one that's usually thought of when we talk about the abuses of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gift is not a license to be used with you in the place of the Spirit. Now that's very similar to one we talked about two back, but I'm going to expand a little bit more about those that are actually just downright um, abusers. Because there, there is a lot of abuse, and I'm hoping you see this as we're going through these, that there's a lot of abuse that is so commonplace we don't even consider it abuse. Or it's not like of evil motive, so we don't consider it evil. Um, but there is nonetheless abuse. This, this is the one that kind of gets into the ones where we see charlatans, we see people uh, using the gifts to get famous or to get money donations, um, those type of things. Uh, I've talked about some of these uh, false uh, people in the past. Uh, for instance, um, I've talked a few times about Todd Bentley, who's a guy that's out of Canada, and he got famous. I don't know, he was still back at the back at the coffee house set up downtown when he was kind of famous for this Florida revival that he stepped into and kind of took over. Um, that, I'll be honest with you, I listen to the guy, I talk, and I'm like, how could anybody ever be suckered by this guy? I mean, it's just so out there. But then um, a lot of people don't know the scripture, and we're all looking for something cool. And he was healing people. Um, and people were saying, well, there's the fruit of the Spirit. You can know it's God because of the fruit of the Spirit. Well, one lady, he was healing because he was standing up on stage, and an older lady came up that was in her 80s looking for healing, and he kicked her in the face with his motorcycle boot and said, be healed. I'd never seen that in the Scripture. But they say, but he's healing other people, so he must be a God. Let, I'm going to let you in on this. I don't want to freak you out too much, but Satan can heal. You know what sickness comes from? Sin, corrupting the creation of God. And Satan can heal. Don't, don't go diving in just because something looks miraculous. Um, he, at the same time, the revival came to an end when it came out that he was having multiple fears of people coming to, looking for the Lord. He was sleeping with them. Uh, and he's still, he's, he, it's always been a train wreck. Um, I, it came up because three years ago, some uh, church that was just outside of Marion body man. Don't go see this guy. And there's a lot of people I disagree with or have different ways with or whatnot. And we're all in unity with each other and it's love because Jesus Christ is the center. Some of the stuff is just abusive. Some of the stuff is just Satan. Um, I've seen abuse in the area where, okay, let me bring back the one about the reward and kind of tie these two together. Um, there are prophecy classes out there that if you have the gift of prophecy, you should learn more about prophecy. You should learn more about how to grow in that capacity of your gift of prophecy. There are prophecy churches and classes and, and, and movements out there where uh, if you come to us, we'll teach you how to be a prophet. Can you teach someone to be a prophet? No. No, it's a spiritual gift from God. If you don't have it, you don't have it. But the one thing that I've seen is all of us want to feel special. 
All of us want to have something that's unique. All of us want to be able to speak into somebody else's life in an encouraging way. And if you're not in step, you might have the best motivation, but if you don't have the spiritual gift, keep your mouth shut because people get hurt. I have a dear, dear friend, uh, many of us, have walked or are walking the, 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 uh, the pathway of dealing with infertility. I, I've never been able to have biological children. Uh, that's a tough road to walk through as you grieve that. Um, now, again, as I've shared with other people, you guys see my kids, my grandkids are watching right now. The best road I had was the one that God gave me. I mean, I wouldn't go back and change anything, but to go through that and grieve that is very, very hard, very, very tough to go through. And she was uh, looking for God. She was looking for some hope in that. And so she went to one of these churches to get a prophetic word over her. And a person came to her and said, hey, you know, I know you're dealing with infertility. I just want to let you know the Holy Spirit just told me you're going to be pregnant within two months. Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the exhilaration until month three, month four, month five? It wasn't a true prophecy. That felt like a very special moment in the moment. But when it all hit the fan... That prophet is nowhere near to be found. So we have to watch these abuses. We cannot put ourselves in the place of the spirit. You had one recently. Do you want to share what you were sharing the other day about the prophecy about you? Sure. Yeah, come on up. Here, I'll hold this for you. And by the way, this prophecy is 100% legitimate. It is of God. I'm kidding. Tell me yours, because I know you've told several people this. Of course. People know that my first wife passed away, and I'm uh, this doesn't pertain to Cindy. Uh, get that up straight. <clears throat> there was uh, in a church that was, my wife and I were attending at the time, a uh, woman, uh, no gender is not really an issue here, but this woman was accepted by a lot of people in that church as a prophet. <clears throat> she was uh, a gifted speaker. She was a a nice person, but she claimed to be a prophet. Uh, and she was speaking at a ladies' meeting, and she was giving prophecies to the various uh, women in that uh, meeting. And my wife at the time was one of those ladies. Now, I'm not saying that we had a perfect marriage, but what I am saying is this woman prophesied to her that your husband... <clears throat> speaking about me, is involved in illegal activity and will soon be arrested and you need to get out of there. And she didn't come home from that meeting and I didn't see her again for eight months until she finally realized, hey, he's still walking around. She went to the pastor of our church who was a law enforcement officer in the state police and said, you know, hey, you know, Chuck's, something going on with him because I got a prophecy about it and he told her no you're wrong and so she went to the FBI oh, and reported me to the FBI and the FBI contacted him and says what is with this woman <laughs> but now I knew at the very beginning and I probably should have said something about it to her before she ever got involved with this that this woman had already professed in a way that I believe was a revealed her to be a false prophet of some of the prophecies that she had given in little home groups when she was just getting started 
about how one time she saw a couple of two people, a man and a woman, sitting next to each other in one of her meetings, and she prophesied children to them, and they didn't even know each other. <laughs> and she was shocked when she found out afterwards, oh, boy, was I off base there. I didn't. But these are the kind of things she would prophesy. If she had been an Old Testament prophet, the Old Testament, by the way, said that a false prophet was to be stoned. And if a prophecy was not 100% correct, that person was to be identified as a false prophet. But this woman was speaking to people that were accepting her as a prophet, revealing in her very own speech that she was a false prophet, but she had deceived a lot of people. A uh, pastor said Satan can heal. Satan causes disease. He could go ahead and say, okay, now I'm going to take it away. That doesn't necessarily prove that it's of God. Just because someone may speak a prophecy that is a fact, that does come true, doesn't mean that everything out of their mouth is, is true prophecy. Uh, I'm an old country boy. They told me a, even a blind hog getting an acorn now and then. <laughs> so I'm going to shut up because pastor's got words to say here. But just to know that she finally realized that Apparently, that prophecy wasn't true. Our pastor, who was a cop, told her it wasn't true. The FBI told her it wasn't true. And she took eight months to finally realize he's still out walking around, and I'm down here wondering why. Well, the reason why was I wasn't. And uh, she finally came to the realization that I wasn't. But... Uh, Prophecy needs to be, it's one of the few things in Scripture that we're told to judge. And if there is a prophecy given, we are encouraged and commanded to judge the prophets whether what they're speaking is of God. And if it doesn't line up with the written word, then it's not of God. And so we need to be very careful when we receive or are encouraged to receive a prophecy. Be sure that this is scriptural, that it does line up with the word. We need to examine it to see if it's really of God because not everything out of anyone's mouth, including mine, is of God all the time. So. Awesome. You took over the sermon, but that's okay. That's okay. No, yeah, I have no I good points left. You just said them. No, just kidding. Okay, so the takeaway from that, uh, your head elder either... You can, there's two things you can decide your take from that. One, he doesn't believe in women in ministry and they should be stoned. <laughs> or Chuck's going to be arrested at any minute. It's a long time coming. Yeah, you're sneaky, I know, but sooner or later they might just bust right in here. As Chuck was saying, it's not always this extreme, it's not always with malice but it is abusive nonetheless. So we do have to make sure that we're looking for confirmation, we're looking for discernment, and we're making sure that we don't just lean into the emotional side of the Holy Spirit and forget about the logical side of the Holy Spirit. So with that, we're, going, we're getting close to the First Corinthians 12, if you haven't turned there yet. Um, because, again, and I'm sure that's not an exhaustive list, but I'm hoping it kind of gets our mind going a little bit. But I want to generalize so that we get, get some things as well. So 1 Corinthians 12 is where we're going ahead. Again, the Bible's around the room if you need them. 
Uh, U version is up and running. You'll want to get to verse uh, 14. We're still not quite there yet, uh, but th that will get you in the right place for the, the flow of, the sp of things. So let me give you um, abuses of the spirit by, by more of a generalization, so you're not just looking for the specifics. Um, abuses usually start with gift ignorance. Other abuses, usually, they all start with uh, gift ignorance. Paul says at the beginning of chapter 12, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, concerning spiritual gifts, sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant on this. But nonetheless, that usually is where most problems start. Uh, a quote from Leary Gilbert, who wrote the book here, ignorance of spiritual gifts may be the major cause of much of the discouragement, insecurity, frustration, and guilt that plagues many Christians and holds back the church's effectiveness and growth. That's a big statement. But if we don't know about, then we can't be utilizing correctly. Uh, I think a lot of us probably have taken an assessment at some point and say, hey, I know I think this gift and this gift, and you hadn't thought about it again for the last six, seven years. Um, one of the stats that was interesting in this is he was talking about his, the, the, his own, their own resources. Their whole ministry is just about uh, church um, in the spirit. And um, it's just an interesting statistic that in two th by 2014, they had sold over 5 million spiritual gift assessments. 5 million. Okay, keep that number on this side. On this side, the study that teaches how those spiritual gifts work and how they work together, they had sold 100,000. So just by loose casual numbers, 4.9 million people said, it's really cool that I have this gift and never once looked to see what that means. Uh, spirit, it just, ignorance of the gifts it means that we fall for things that we should never fall for and we don't do things we should have done a long time ago. Then it usually grows into gift blindness. Gift blindness results from gift ignorance and renders victims incapable of recognizing their own spiritual gifts and the influence of gifts in their lives and their ministry. Our spiritual gifts should give us a certain lens of how we see everything of how we see everything. If you have the gift of evangelism and I have the gift of serving, our lenses are different. And it's for a good reason. It's because it's what we're created to be. Have you, okay, maybe this is just me. Maybe it's just me. Have you ever like gone walking around someplace? Let's, let's say you're at, uh, what's one that you go, like the outlets or you're at, uh, what's the one that starts with an E? Easton. Easton. Right? And you walk around, it's a bright sunny day and stuff, and you go inside one of the stores, and it's like really dim inside, and it's really kind of like dark inside, and you're like, why are they keeping the lights so low? And then you realize you still have your sunglasses on? Yeah. Yeah. I, how many? Anybody, seriously, okay. Right. If we're, we're looking through the wrong lens, then it's always going to be dim. We're, when it comes to spiritual gifts, as we get educated in them, then we start seeing things more clearly. Uh, here's another chart I'll give you, and I don't know if it's going to be easy for you guys to see at all. No, not really. <laughs> oh, then you don't get that gift from the Spirit. Okay, let's go. No, um, this one, I'll kind of describe it out a little bit. Um, along the top, it has different areas of our life. Counseling, finances, leading, comforting others, soul winning, Bible doctrine, correcting sins, meeting practical needs, and shepherding. And then as they go down here, it has the, some of the different gifts, especially the team gifts, which is what we're kind of focusing on even more. So when you look through and you see these bumps, it's saying that if you have an evangelistic spiritual gift, then when it comes to soul winning, 
you're going to see things more from that lens. When you, you're talking in a situation, you're dealing with a situation, you're leading something in the ministry, you're, you're going to see it through the lens of, I've, I've got to tell people the gospel message. You need Jesus. And so you're going to have more of that, more Bible doctrine, where if I was a exoder in the exact same room, exact same situation or whatnot, my attention is going to be comforting and counseling the people that are hearing that message. So through that lens, I'm seeing the people that, if, I, if I'm the evangelist and Mike is the, the, the exhorter, while I'm talking, Mike's watching people's faces to see whether or not need, they need a hug, whether they need to be prayed over, uh, that they need somebody to go get coffee with them afterwards. Uh, Mostly show is going to see some, some of that as well in the counseling, but they really just want to go up and comfort them. So depending on what lens you have, if you don't know your spiritual gift, I don't even know how you, you're, you're thinking you're seeing things outside of your natural. But within the supernatural, you're going to be more passionate about certain areas because your lens is different. And the thing that's beautiful about this is this really shows us just how important it is that you don't take your spiritual gifts and make it about me. Because if it's just about you, there's just going to be soul winning, but none of this is going to happen. But if we as a church work together with our spiritual gifts and we're growing the spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit is moving in the spiritual gifts, every single need is taken care of. Every single need is taken care of. That's why it's concerning if we have gift blindness. That's what, what the problem is if we think we don't need other Christians as well. So, gift blindness. Let's go to the next one, gift imposing. Gift imposing is the act of forcing one spiritual gift upon another and attempting to compel them to perform as, that, if, that, as if that was their gift also. So, now if, if I get... Uh, my sight's off of us working together and the gift blindness is there and I'm an evangelist and I'm annoyed at you because you're not an evangelist, that happens all the time. When you're sitting in a meeting and you're brainstorming and they're like, well, what about these people? And what about these people? Like, I don't care. I don't care. We just got to get them saved. That's gift opposing. I'm not respecting what the Spirit's doing through you so that we can do the collective as a whole. It's very, very important that we are the whole. Uh, this is where we'll come to verse 14 in chapter 12. Uh, Paul takes and teaches us that the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And I love that because the fact is, just because you say you're not part of the body doesn't mean that you're not part of the body. You're stuck being part of the body. It's just whether or not you're a healthy part of the body or diseased. 16, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts of the body, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. No, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So, we, so the gift of posing, well, I'm going to let that come in too. Let me, let me keep going. I'll bring it in. Because gift of posing by church leaders happens and causes problems, but we'll go into that with this next part. Uh, gift of posing oftentimes leads to gift gratification or gift colonization. The two are there because they're very similar, but they usually, not always, but usually are practiced by two different groups of people. Uh, and I really hate this terminology, but I've I, I, I got to make up something new sooner or later. But um, 
in the church world, there are lay people and there's clergy. Okay, lay people and church. I hate that phrase because it makes it sound like clergy are like up here and laity's down here, uh, and that's 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 crap. But it is a different role, and I get that. So laity is basically anybody that's not a pastor, elder, uh, deacon, and the clergy are those that that are ministers, pastors, elders. Uh, gift gratification takes and generally happens within lay people, and colonization usually happens within church leaders. Uh, with lay people, basically, if we're not if we're blind to the fact of how our gifts are supposed to be working, we tend to gravitate towards other people that have the same gift and same viewpoint, and then we get very monolistic. Does that make sense? And then we also get very cliquish. This can happen around natural talents. This can have, uh, happen around passions, but it does happen and is abusive when it comes to spiritual gifts. When it comes to church leaders, it's more of a gift colonization because it ends up being how the, the mission or the church becomes that it becomes very centered around one person or a small group of people that have this very similar and we're right and everybody else is wrong. Does that make sense? Uh, I'm going to give you a chart that I know you can't see because it's smaller than the rest. But, and it's really not something I want to go through too much, but again, I'll send it out. But I thought it was interesting because it goes through different movements that, fought, that struggle colonization, being fundamentalist, Evangelical, uh, the the deep life movement, the charismatic movement, church growth movement, liberal movement. And it talks about some of their strengths and some of their weaknesses and their leadership styles. Uh, but generally, what it ends up becoming, when you see this, either with a group of people or with an entire ministry, uh, when it comes to these two things, is we become right and everybody else is wrong. Is usually what happens. Our way of looking at things is right, everybody else is wrong. And so within the church, you start getting clicks that pull away from everybody else. But within movements, and, and I shared this on Facebook the other day. I don't know if you saw it or not. I literally just took a picture because I, I was like, man, I, yeah, I get that. Uh, is that when pastors become colonized, that they usually end up spending more time talking about what's wrong with everybody else than they do with what our church needs to hear. And uh, it ha happens way too much. Way, way too much. If you're following somebody that's really dogmatic on one thing and they keep smacking it over and over again, you might want to pray about that. Um, they might have the right motives, but a lot of times, not so much. So, those are some of the challenges. And then the last one we'll give you the, is this within this, because this is what also gift ignorance leads to, is uh, gift uh, covening. Gift covening. Um, that's when you wish you had gifts that other people had, and you're like, well, wait a minute, I thought... You know, it said the desire of the bigger gifts and that kind of stuff. That's why I want to go back to that voice. It's voice 31, is it? Voice 31? Yeah, but honestly, desire the higher gifts. Uh, again, a lot of times that's taken out of context. This is the last sentence of a paragraph that uh, is talking about very specific things. And I, uh, my reading of it, again, a Tom commentary, so it's up to you whether you want to dig into it or whatnot. My commentary is, is why the gifts are have different levels of importance. The greater gifts are in this paragraph as far as evangelist, prophet, teacher, exhorter. The things that make the church the church, uh, different from a social club. That things that we can become in our own different ways, no matter what spiritual gift we have, being used within the church, I think is what I'm striving for more than I'm going to list the gifts and decide I want to go for one, two, and three, and he just gave me nine. Um, 
I don't think that's what this scripture means. And so when we spend a lot of time taking and wishing I was the worship pastor or wishing I, I had some kind of status or wishing I had my own TV show or wishing my podcast got as many hits as this podcast or whatever the case may be, uh, gift, gift coveting, it's, 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 it can be understandable, it can be heartbreaking, and it's a sin. We don't, we're not people that covet. God has created you with the gifts that you have, for the purpose that you have. You're not lacking anything. Don't worry about what everybody else has. But how do I use this for the betterment of the kingdom? Um, you know, social clubs, they don't have evangelists. Social clubs don't have teachers that are teaching you the word. So, social clubs don't have uh, these unique things that the church has to be able to do the work of the kingdom. And so gift coveting really doesn't have any, any place within it. Um, so with that, this was an interesting point for, to me to kind of wrap things up. Um, this is from John Rawford. I put, there's an R in it. John Rawford. Okay, everybody knows John, right? I have no idea who he is. Uh, <laughs> he's quoted. But he, he was doing a, a lecture about the Middle Ages, you know, and what do they call the Middle Ages? Anybody? Somebody smarter than me. The Dark Ages. Anybody? Come on. Huh? Some well, I'm middle-aged, and it's dark. <laughs> Here's what old John said. John said the Middle Ages on the whole were dark spiritually as well as intellectually, with few attaining any balance of doctrine acceptable to the honest Bible student of today. Of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit in its entirety, there was practically no conception. Few grasped the need for personal uh, conversion, and the work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration. Practically no attention was given to such subjects as the indwelling spirit, the baptism of the spirit, and the filling of the spirit. It was expressly denied that the spirit could teach Christians through the word of God. Earthly priests were substituted for the Holy Spirit. The things of the spirit were lost in the world of sacraments, ignorance of the word, superstition, humanism, and scholarship. We're not people of the dark. We are people of the light. Amen? We're not people of the dark. We are people of the light. So if we want to combat these abusive and not be part of the abuses, no matter what our motivation, we need to pray. And I'm telling you, I, I mentioned this earlier in the prayer. There's literally, I, I could tell you the names of the people and how. People have been praying the last two years over our church for this move of the Holy Spirit. More importantly, of you being willing to accept it. This is an answer to prayer is where we're at. So we need prayer. We need God's view, his compassion, instead of our own motivations. And we need education. This is why I'm asking you to really devote into the teaching during this series. It's because the Spirit is moving, the Spirit's doing something, and if you want to be part of it, he has wide open arms. There's no handshake on his side. Wide open arms for you to fall into and to get an embrace and to be able to move forward. So we want to make sure we keep these things in light. We make sure that we keep these in the forefront. Um, I think there's one more is a quote. This is another quote from Larry Gilbert. God intended for spiritual gifts to be used in carrying out the Great Commission and for edifying the saints. That's his two roles. What is the Great Commission? Lead people to the Lord, baptize them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to teach each other to follow all the commandments that I've commanded you because I love you and I want to keep you out of the ditch. That's a great commandment, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, or the Great Commission, I should say. 
That's where we're headed, and I pray that you guys continue well with us. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion, Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.